this month's episode of the official podcast for the Native American Music Association. My name is Ed Coban. Some people call me Ed Co, and I'll be your host today as we bring you anything and everything NAMA. That includes artist interviews, new releases, announcements, news from Indian country, and more. So thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned. We got a great show ahead for you today. Welcome to episode two of the official podcast for the Native American Music Association. On today's show, we are going to feature 2017 NAMI winner for Best Gospel Inspiration Recording, Miss Callie Bennett. She's going to share some music. She's going to talk a bit about her past, where she's come from, and uh, what's going on with her now. Um, she also is a member of Navajo Nation, and we all know that they've been getting pretty hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. So she's going to give us an update on how things are out there. And uh, I will share on the Facebook page some of the things that you can do to help. We're also going to speak with the 2018 NAMI winner for Best Folk Recording and 2018 Group of the Year, along with 2019 winners for Best Video Concept, Chelsea Nahi from Twin Flames up in Canada. I'm looking forward to talking to them. They're going to get us up to speed on everything that's going on with them. Before we get going, a little bit of housekeeping things to take care of. We do have a, a Facebook page, the NAMA, fa- the NAMA Podcast Facebook page, and there you can kind of contact us. You can reach out to us, let us know what you think of the podcast, what you, if you have any ideas for upcoming guests or anything like that. Um, we're also going to put videos and information that are related to the guests that we have on every week, like videos of, of their music, um, information on how to contact them, or or if they're talking about a charity or if there's an event that they're they're part of, we'll post information on that there for you as well. So we're all still deep in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Coronavirus! And we're constantly bombarded by negative stories and stress and political nonsense, which we're going to stay very far away from on this show. Um, but but we don't hear a lot of positive stories. So what I did want to do is share a bit of news that I've seen on nativenewsonline.net, where a YouTube drummer Larry Mullen Jr. donated $100,000 to the Native American Relief Fund which gives money to the Hopi and Navajo uh, reservations. And that helps them flatten the curve because it gives people a chance to stay home. They'll have food and supplies so they don't have to go out and, and interact and, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, try to reduce the, the problems that they're having there on those reservations. So hats off to Larry Mullen. If you ask me, that puts him high on the list for the Native Heart Award at the NAMIs one of these years because that was a pretty awesome thing for him to do, so... Thought I'd share that with you. So our first guest today is going to be the 2017 winner for Best Gospel Inspirational Recording, Miss Kelly Bennett. Kelly had an outstanding performance at the 2019 awards show, along with her father, Elson, who also performed and was nominated last year. And they came to the rehearsals and the sound check with this great positive vibe and this infectious energy that made it a, a pleasure to work with them. So I'm really excited to have Callie on today, and we're going to talk a little bit about her, you know, what she's got going on and how things are going for her. And before we get started, though, 
I'm going to play the title track off her 2017 release, Awake, Arise, and Shine. So check it out.
That was Callie Bennett with the title track from her 2017 release, Awake, Arise, and Shine. And we have Callie on the line with us. Callie, thanks for being with us today. How are you doing? Yes, it's an honor to be here, Ed. Thank you so much for, for having me a part of this. It's, and greetings to everyone out there. I'm definitely excited to be able to talk with you a bit today. Um, before we get started, though, I know you're calling from Navajo Nation, and we know that you guys have been hit pretty hard from the pandemic out there. So I don't know if you would mind giving us maybe a quick update on how things are going for everyone out there and how everyone is holding up in light of the, the things that are going on. Yeah, you know, we've just been pulling together as a community, really encouraging people to stay home, stay safe, you know, be clean, wash your hands and pra definitely practice social distancing. You know, one of the things that we are encouraging people is that if we're gonna fight this thing together, we have to fight it together in all of our efforts. You know, our Navajo Nation president and vice president have been so amazing with, you know, getting the right connections, getting the right uh, people, letting people know how they can donate, how they can support Navajo Nation. And a lot of the people, you know, but even though we're at home, we're coming together as a community. And there's even people from off of the reservation that are bringing in donations, bringing in supplies, which is huge. It's so encouraging. I know that there were there was also like an organization that brought dog food, animal food for you know horses and the dogs and animals and things like that. Um, but Navajo Nation is doing our best, and we're just keeping positive, encouraging people as much as we can, and um, comforting those that have been victims of this. And um, but just also encouraging and uplifting people and also through the power of song. So we're doing our best. And, you know, we just appreciate all of the prayers from everyone around the globe. So thank you so much for filling us in on that. Um, we hope everyone stays safe, your family stays safe. And it's great to hear that people are supporting each other. And hopefully this will be over sooner than later and get all this behind us. So we met last year at the 2019 award show for the NAMIs. And you and your father performed and did a fantastic job. Um, but I know you guys drove like across the country from Arizona and there were some weather issues coming in and everything. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, how was that for you guys? It was your first NAMIs and you guys knocked it out of the park. There was a lot of excitement and you guys just had a really um, seemed to be having a blast and, and really taking it all in. So I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about what that was like for you. Oh, man, it was it was amazing. It was such an honor being there with everyone. Not only was it our first time being there at one of the Native American Music Award ceremonies, but it was also our first time, including my father and my producer. Uh, they were able to be along with me and me alongside them uh, in performing there and sharing the stage with you all with the Ed Coban Band. And everyone was just so great. And um, everyone was so professional. I loved meeting the everyone. And the, the entire experience was just such a wonderful experience. And we really enjoyed it. And being able to share the stage with you guys was such a huge honor. We were just, you know, we were just floored by everything. And um, everyone's kindness and generosity was wonderful. And so even with my father, um, Elson Bennett, he did a wonderful job. And with that, you know, that was his very first time sharing his narrative music uh, to a public scene and especially at the Music Awards. And so that was a huge honor for him as well. So we just we just had a blast. And plus, we, of course, we went and saw Niagara Falls. <laughs> I'm glad you guys were able to see the falls. Um, that's actually one of the cool things for me about the award show being in Niagara Falls is when you live here, you kind of take the falls for granted. They're always there, and you've seen them a lot of times. And But when everyone comes from out of town and that's something 
that they've never seen before and you're around a bunch of people who have seen it for the first time it makes you realize like wow we really have this amazing magnificent magical waterfall here um so i'm glad you guys got a chance to see it so you have a really cool history and a backstory um that led you to be a member of the navajo nation and to be a member of the bennett family and i was just kind of hoping maybe you would tell us a little bit about that because i find the story really inspirational and i was hoping you could share that with our listeners a little bit yeah yeah, of course. You know, there's a lot of listeners out there probably li listening to this, and um, they probably never met me or anything. Um, and, and also, please allow me to formally introduce myself um, in Navajo. I, I forgot to do that. I do apologize. And so, So, in Navajo, I'm saying all is well, which is yat eh. And I am born for the Red Running Into Water Clan um, I, and born for the Salt People Clan. My maternal grandfather's clan is the Towering House Clan, and my paternal grandfather's clan is the Deer Water Clan, and people call me Callie Bennett. So, um, you know, in Navajo, that's how we would formally introduce ourselves. And my story is very, very unique. I was actually adopted at three months of age from Seoul, South Korea as a baby. And I was raised on and off the Navajo Nation, the Navajo Reservation, um, raised on and off, you know, growing up on the reservation, off the reservation, you quickly learn about how you have to bridge both worlds. And so right now and today, I currently live on the Navajo, Navajo Nation in the northern Arizona area. And, you know, you, you learn that you have to bridge both worlds. And then not only that, sometimes that can be a challenge. Uh, but also growing up knowing that you're adopted and that you're not blood-related, but that you're you're spiritually adopted. And, you know, especially being a young person in my younger years growing up, and every adopted person that I've ever met, they always have struggled with identity issues, knowing where they belong. And with all of that coming into play, you know, being a part of the family that I am, one of the greatest things that I received from my my inheritance of being Navajo was having a belonging and knowing my identity through that that through that adoption. And as what my father and my grandfather call it, they call it the spirit of adoption. And adoption, you know, uh, it can be looked down upon, but I believe that adoption adoption can be a positive thing. And one of the things that I have learned growing up even though it was a challenge, you know, I was struggling with identity issues, struggling with, you know, where do I belong? Am I Asian or am I Native American? Who am I? And one day I actually had a visit from my grandfather and he had no idea what I was going through emotionally, internally, you know, even spiritually, different things I was going through. And he actually approached me and said, you know, Chanela, which means my granddaughter, there's something that's been on my heart I want to share with you. And he actually sat me down that afternoon and, and wanted to share with me with his heart. And he said, I want you to understand some things. And he said, when you were given up for adoption, you were cut off from your family, cut off from that nation, from a language from that culture and he said you had no language you had no culture you had no people but he said when we brought you in we gave you our nation we gave you 
our support, our love, our language, and our culture. And then he looked me dead straight in the eye and he told me, you are Navajo. And he just wanted to share that with me. At that time, he had no idea what I was going through internally as a young person. And so that spoke volumes to me. And it brought a lot of healing to my heart. And it brought a lot of setting of some issues that I was dealing with. And, you know, from that point on, I just started, you know, realizing and learning more about who I am as being Navajo, as being Diné Navajo. And so I've learned my language, uh, and I'm always continuing to learn. I can read Navajo. I can speak it pretty, pretty properly, <laughs> as, as proper as I can. I live on the reservation. And the greatest thing that, that you know, through that spirit of adoption that's taught me is my belonging and, you know, learning who my true identity is as an indigenous Native American person being Navajo. And so, you know, I think that that's, it's so important to, especially encouraging people today, it's so important to know where, where you belong. And, um, you know, and through that belonging, through that spirit of adoption, especially if a person's adopted, um, you know, definitely have to give that encouragement of know where you belong and that, you know, even if you're indigenous and you were adopted, know that you have a nation, you have a tribe. Through the tribe, you have that clan system, and through the clan system, we, we have our families. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was interesting growing up and, and learning my, my language, learning my identity. And it's definitely a spiritual concept because you cannot walk by what you see sometimes because it's, it's a spiritual concept. Another thing that I had learned, you know, through the spirit of adoption and through being adopted was not only had my family, my Navajo family, adopted me and adopted me as a baby and as a child, but I also, growing up, I had to learn how to adopt, you know, the culture, adopt the language, adopt the nation as my own so that I receive my own belongings. And, you know, a lot of times that's, that's a huge challenge for a lot of adopted kids today, but um, that was just something that I had learned as well growing up. The spirit of adoption. I absolutely love that. I was adopted myself, and like you, I was lucky enough to be adopted into a fantastic family and was accepted, and, and I felt loved and that whole thing. But we know that there's people out there that may not have had such a positive experience or do just struggle with their identity. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I think it's an important thing to talk about for a lot of people, and I think it's just a really, really great story, and it sounds like you couldn't have found a better family to be with, and then my hat's off to to them and congratulations to you for being accepted into the great Navajo nation and the awesome Bennett family. Another story I think that is pretty cool and interesting that I was hoping you would share with us today is what happened between your first and second CD. There was a quite a few year gap that kept you from really getting it out. And when it did come out, it was, it was a fantastic record. I love that record. So I wouldn't mind if you mind sharing that story a little with us. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, yeah, that was an interesting, interesting gap right there. Um, you know, with my first album, it was a great experience. I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm so thankful for it, and I'm thankful with how the, the first album turned out. And um, what had happened is after the album was produced, it was mixed, it was manufactured and everything, um, my producers that were in the Oklahoma area at the time, and, I, you know, they're still great friends of ours today. However... Uh, their studio had burnt down, 
And I remember them when they called me about it. They said, we can't produce your next album because our studio burnt down. We salvaged what we could. However, it's going to take quite a bit of time to rebuild. And, you know, we all understand and we know that when it comes to building building studio, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of finances, funding, because um, they're built a certain way. And so, you know, even after a year when I followed up with them, they were still struggling with trying to get the studio rebuilt and everything. So, you know, it was it was quite a time. And so during that time, I actually just started getting busy and started getting involved with our local tribal government here. I was supporting my father with, with his terms in the local tribal government, um, and I volunteered a lot there. So that was a huge learning experience. I learned a lot during that time, but also... You know, I of course I went through questions and doubts and and discouragement, same as anyone else. And I even questioned, you know, is music something that I should continue to pursue? Because at the time, you know, of course being on the Navajo reservation, you're you got to keep your spirit blessed. You got to keep the faith, and that was that was a challenge of keeping myself encouraged. But also there again, you know, through being adopted and through the love and the support and the belonging of my family, my nation, they really supported me through that and they kept encouraging me and they just kept believing in me and, and told me, you know, continue after your dreams. You know, they, they kept, even my parents, my mother at a very young age, she was the first one that saw, saw my musical talent and she put me into all of these different music lessons <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I was like really young. And so, you know, coming back to the story, I had to go through all of those thoughts and just through the love and support of my family, again, uh, just kept the encouragement, kept the faith, uh, and, and it was definitely a journey. So it was your mother who recognized your music talent at an early age. Um, you have a fantastic voice, and that was literally going to be my next question is, you know, when did you realize that you wanted to be a musician or what brought you into singing in, in the world of music? So what she tells me is whenever she had received me off of the plane and everything from the adoption people, uh, she had to take me to a play, I guess, that same day. And I guess she heard me humming with the play, and I was humming all through the songs, but she said the strange thing was, and she goes, I knew that you had a singing ability, was you were singing on key with the singers as a baby. Wow. And she even tells me I would, you know, get up on top of coffee tables and sing with Disney movies as well. <laughs> and um, so I don't remember a whole lot of that, but I do remember at a young age she put me in piano lessons, um, and then she also placed me in guitar lessons and then some basic vocal lessons. I was a part of a children's choir. So just different steps. And, um, you know, it was it was a huge huge learning process and of course there comes a time when in your younger years when you really question you know is music really something that you want to pursue and I actually took off a year from everything of really thinking you know because I could have you know I could have gone to college could have done this done a bunch of things and um, you know when it came down to it through there again family support and through prayer as well and really listening to my heart, you know, I, I just knew, you, you know, there was just that, that knowing that, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing music and 
it blesses people and that that that's what blesses me is that it blesses people well i for one am very glad that you made the decision to stick with music your last cd was great you have a fantastic voice and it would have been a shame if we went all not all got a chance to hear that so what do you got going on now what's what's happening in the world of kelly bennett what can we look forward to well, um, you know, shortly after all of that stuff happened with my first album, went through the six-year gap, we met the right producer, and he is awesome. You know, we built a relationship, and he's still my producer today. His name's Greg Miller with Immersion Productions, and he's actually located in the Flagstaff, Arizona area, and he moved out from California. So um, in continuing to work with him, I was supposed to release an album. It was going to be my very first Navajo gospel hymnal album where I sing in both Navajo and English of some of our very favorite hymns from the Navajo Nation. And that was supposed to be released back in April. And because of everything going on, we've just been, you know, quarantining and isolating, being safe, being wise, um, helping fighting everything through staying home. Uh, You know, we decided to postpone that CD release. And so... You know, um, I know for that, I know whenever this is ending and everything is done, we'll definitely do an awesome party, a great CD release party, great gathering. And then I also want to begin working on my next full-length album, which will probably be about 12 tracks. Uh, The Navajo Gospel Hymnal is only going to be, I think, seven tracks. So it's still considered a full album, but not entirely like a full, full album like the 12 tracks. So shortly after that's released, I'd like to definitely uh, work on that. And I've already started writing music for that. Got some great ideas and, and cannot wait to <laughs> get started soon. And, um, and then, of course, wanting to definitely submit into hopefully this year's Native American Music Awards, uh, one of the singles I released last year in November which is um, me singing the Star Spangled Banner or the National Anthem in Navajo as a dedication to all of our veterans and all of our current day warriors. And um, that was released on Veterans Day last year. So I've got some great things uh, planned and really looking forward to it, music videos and so forth, and really appreciate this time, though, and it's always great speaking with you, Ed. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on with us today, and I'm looking forward to all your new stuff you have coming out. Um, we're going to actually play another song off your last CD, um, Awake, Rise, and Shine, and this song is called Hope.
that was Hope off the 2017 release by Kelly Bennett called Awake, Rise, and Shine. Again, Kelly, thanks for coming on today and sharing some stuff with us. I'm hoping that everything goes great for you and best of luck in the future. Is there anything you'd like to share with us or anything you'd like to say before we let you go today? Um, sure. You know, thank you to all the listeners uh, that have listened to this. I hope that I've encouraged you guys. And just to encourage uh, people, uh, everyone out there of any nation, any ethnicity out there, you know, just to encourage you to know your belonging, especially if you're adopted, know, know where you belong, know your identity, get to know who you are, you know, get it so confident in yourself to where there's no doubt. And then also just to encourage everyone, you know, go after your dreams. I went through my own doubts and discouragements, uh, but I knew I was supposed to be doing music and that was, you know, part of my uh, my destiny and everything, but you know, maybe you want to be a doctor, maybe you want to be a musician, maybe you want to be an artist. You know, keep perfecting your craft. Don't ever stop stop learning and um, keep growing and be the best that you can be. And don't compare yourself because you can't compare bananas to oranges. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, keep keep growing. <laughs> Beautiful. I'd really like to thank you again for coming in today, Kelly, and spend some time with us. I'd also like you to. Um, send some love to your family from everyone here at the NAMIs, your mom and your dad and your producer, Greg. We hope you're all staying safe. We hope you're all doing well, and we wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. We'll t definitely be talking to you soon. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ed. It was an honor and a pleasure being with you all and being with all the listeners. So, Aisha ISC, and God bless everyone. Thank you. All right. That was Callie Bennett, winner of the 2017 NAMI for Best Gospel Inspirational Recording. Be sure to check out our NAMA podcast Facebook page. We'll have some more information about Cali, put some video footage of last year's performance at the NAMIs, and some information on how you can help out Navajo Nation. All right, now it's time for NAMA News. So, I want to let you guys know about a couple things. First, every weekend there's the social distancing powwow performances that NAMA has been doing on Facebook. And you can find those by going to the NAMA live Facebook page and checking those out. Um, a lot of the artists have been on there. And if you're an artist wanting to be on there, reach out and uh, see if we can coordinate getting you up on there, but be sure to check that out every weekend and uh, support those support the musicians and the artists who are taking the time and, and putting that together for you. Also, we'd like to let everyone know about the submission dates coming up for the 2020 20th anniversary award show this November. So the submission dates are going to be online this year. We're not going to have submissions happen with hard copy CDs uh, due to the COVID situation going on. Um, so as of June 1st, the submission forms will be available online at the NAMA website, which is www.nativeamericanmusicawards.com. And you can submit your stuff as of June 1st digitally. So Good luck to anyone out there that wants to submit. Um, all the rules and all the information you need to know will be available on the website. So hope you check it out. Hope you check out some of the performances that are happening every weekend at the Social Distancing powwow, And uh, stay safe out there. Next up, we're going to have Yahi and Chelsea from Twin Flames. They're currently stationed out of ottawa canada and they are the 2018 native american music award winners for folk album of the year and duo of the year and 2019 nami winner for best video concert 
if you happen to hear last month's episode, you may have actually heard me mention that they were going to be on the last show. Um, that was a bit of a, an editing error. Uh, we had initially did an interview with, with these guys um, for the first episode, uh, but the quality of the recording, the way I tried to do it, didn't come out. Um, and I didn't want to put up a, a subpar interview with them guys because they're a great interview and they're great to talk to. And uh, so we did it again. I, I appreciate them taking a second shot at the interview with us. Um, I'm excited to talk to them. I uh, first met Twin Flames when they came to perform at the NAMI Awards in 2018, and they had a standout performance that night. And um, after that, I got to know them pretty well, and and we've kind of done a little hanging out. We've we've traveled a bit and played a show with them out in L.A. Uh, for a showcase they had, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But anyway, I'm excited to talk to them, and we're going to start off by playing one of their tunes. This is a song called Human. still here. Our languages are not lost, but simply resting, waiting to be reawakened. 
That was Human by Twin Flames. That song, the video for that song actually won Best Video Concept at the 2019 Native American Music Awards. And we have Chelsea and Yahi on the phone. Hello, my friends. I want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you for taking a second try after we got the bugs worked out after our first episode. So I appreciate you guys taking this second opportunity for us to interview. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, I mean, uh... We we hope that you you get to clear this bug uh, sooner or later, but uh, we're we're totally keen on doing it either way. We always uh, love talking to you. Excellent. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I won't take up too much of your guys' time today, so we'll just jump right into it. Um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about that we talked about on the last one, um, was that you know I've gotten to know you guys a little bit since we met and performed a couple times, and the one thing that I've really noticed is how you guys maintain such a solid relationship not just as artists, but as a couple. And and you have a family. You have children at home, and it's got to be difficult, the amount of touring that you do and the amount of time that you're on your road to maintain that family uh, dynamic and keep everyone happy. So what do you, how do you do that? What What is the trick to keeping everyone in the family happy when you have such a, a career like you do, and the, and the taking off the way that it is? Well, <laughs> I think keeping everyone happy is... is uh something that we strive for but obviously doesn't happen all the time um we're just very lucky that i think we're both very similar people um and so when we met it was kind of just natural that you know our values were very similar um our goals for our future and for our children uh were all very similar so i think that makes all of what we do a lot easier um sure being away and touring is it's it's difficult on the kids but we don't have any children together so we're an instant family and so i have two children and yai has four um two of which are are grown adults now but the four youngest we call them our tornado (laughs) because the house doesn't stay clean for more than 10 minutes at a time where we're not loading the dishwasher uh for the fourth time in a day uh, but you know they they they've been raised together. The the baby was two and a half when when we met, so they have that really nice sibling bond, and uh, it's beautiful to see. And they've kind of grown up with us being in the music industry as well, so they've gotten used to the touring life and having supportive exes that help um, with the childcare when we're on tour has been has been key to us uh, living this lifestyle and playing you know, close to 300 live shows a year, um, it wouldn't be possible, you know, uh, to tour as extensively as we do, I think, if we had children together. Well, my hats go off to you on being able to make it work because, um, as we know, you know, it's not an easy thing to pull off when you are as busy as you guys are. Um, And you had mentioned that when you had met, and I heard you guys mention one time that when you met, it was like your voices had met first, 
And so I was, I wanted to wonder if you could maybe share that story with the audience and, and tell them how Twin Flames actually came to be. Well, we were both uh, a part of a TV show on, on the Aboriginal People's Television Network. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a show called TAM, which is the acronym uh, or French acronym for Talent Autochtone Musico, which showcases Indigenous artists from, from all over all over Canada. And uh, Chelsea was the Métis artist, uh, and I was the Inuit artist from the north. And neither of us were supposed to be there. Chelsea had missed her email for the invite, and I was actually supposed to be uh, in June, uh, uh, sorry, in, in May, and it ended up being in June. And that's when we had met uh, because all of a sudden uh, Chelsea got reinvited after losing her opportunity, and mine got scheduled on the same date. And uh, we kind of met around a fire. Uh, I was playing a cover song by. Uh, by uh, um, Stained and Limp Biscuit, and she jumped right in and sang with me in harmonies, and we, we really didn't have to try anything. And that, that's when, when we say we met in, in our voices first. That's pretty much the, uh, the, the way we met. Yeah. I just got to say, I think it's awesome that Twin Flame started by harmonizing over a Limp Biscuit tune. That's just the best. I just think that's outstanding. <laughs> so having had a chance to get to know you guys a little bit and perform with you, as well as see you perform solo and with your new band, which, by the way, is a fantastic new band. Congratulations on that. But, you know, you guys have this aspect to your show that involves storytelling, and uh, you guys are really good at it. So I was just wondering, is that a skill that you guys cultivated? Is it something that kind of comes naturally? Do you talk about it? You know, where did that come from? Because you guys, it really is an important aspect of your show. I think for for myself, it kind of just happened because I, I suffered with extreme stage fright and uh, social anxiety. So being on stage was something I never thought I would ever be able to do. And and the television show that I met Yayi on was actually the second time I'd ever performed in front of people. And I was 26 years old then. Um, so I think the story storytelling kind of helped me feel less nervous when I could just open up and start speaking in between songs and I think we kind of had to adapt to that as well because some of the songs are in languages that people do not understand um if they're not Inuit and they don't speak Inuit well they won't understand what the song is about so the storytelling does play a huge a huge part of, of what we do and uh it also invites people in you know for us being up there on stage is all about exchanging energy and and making people feel good, you know, and, and sharing stories and, and not blame and gently educating and using our voices to hopefully um, change the outlook so that they will maybe leave someone who doesn't know about Indigenous people will leave our concert with more of an open heart and an open mind. And uh, I remember for myself, I went to see um, a singer back in the day and he was an amazing storyteller. And I remember being the most engaged that I ever had in any concert I'd ever seen, just thinking that was so cool because I was really able to nerd out and understand what the song was about. And uh, so I think I, I like that we're able to do that. And um, we often have comments after our performances, either in person or through the website or through Facebook, like thanking us for that and and saying that certain elements stand out to certain people and, and, and make those differences. I think for myself, um, 
unfortunately, um, when when I had met Chelsea, um, I was on my way to becoming a very douchey musician, uh, <laughs> where I didn't <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't care too much about uh, anything except uh, at the time I was uh, I was drinking and uh, partying, and that's all I that was pretty much my excuse. So I, I, I got through the show the way, the way I did without really caring what I had said. But as I became sober, um, it, it became something that felt just natural. Um, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of uh, shows uh, uh, live where, like Chelsea said, um, seeing somebody tell stories while they're, while they're talking and, and watching uh, TV programs where, where you have like Tommy Hunter, I don't know if you grew, uh, grew up listening to Tommy Hunter in the States, but uh, Tommy Hunter had a show on CBC where we, he had friends and, and then people come in, uh, Canadian legends, uh, tell stories and then sing their tunes. Um, and then the greats like Paul Simon, as they became older and touring, that, that's what they did, James Taylor. And so for us, it was very important that we, we keep, uh, keep the uh, conversation open and and uh just adding the tune well it's definitely a powerful aspect of your show and it brings a lot it really sets you guys apart um one of the things that i love about that aside from helping because you guys are bilingual and some of your songs are in uh, multiple languages and so i think that helps the audience too when you can explain the song prior to it but also on a song like for instance porchlight which we'll play here in a minute because um it's a powerful song and it touches on the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women and the fact that you're able to tell the story before that is able and then set it up really drives that song home um to an audience and makes it even that much more powerful i've I've played it with you guys and i've seen you know people come to tears when you're singing that song so you know i would love to you to let us hear the story um here on the podcast on how that song came to be because it almost didn't get recorded if i remember correctly well yeah Porchlight was a song that, you know, we, we get asked to do a lot of things within our community and we're always so fortunate and thankful that people want to include us. Uh, but during the time of the inquiry and leading up to the inquiry, uh, we were asked to attend a lot of events uh, with the families that were directly um, affected by having a missing or murdered family member. And just sitting in those rooms, you know, with like overwhelming numbers of family members it started to weigh quite a heavy toll on both of us, um, and we would perform um, a set during their break. But it was really in 2015 at the Indigenous Music Awards, um, after Yadi won uh, for Best Indigenous Language Album, a man came up to us and, and tapped him on the shoulder and said, can I take a selfie with you and my little sister? And so Yadi and I, of course, were we were super excited, and we were expecting a young girl to come up to us but instead, he handed us a picture frame with a photo of his sister, and uh, he explained that she'd been missing since the 80s, and neither of us knew how to react, you know? It was just like this overwhelming wave of emotion, and uh, it was hard to smile in <laughs> a selfie like that, you know, without breaking down. And so when we got home from, from Winnipeg, uh, Yadi yeah, started playing playing the tune on, on his guitar, and he had been playing it for a while and like the lyrics were not totally there yet. And um, we finished up writing the song and it was more just for our way of processing um, how and all the things that we were hearing. And uh, we did end up sending it to the man that we met in Winnipeg. 
just as like a thank you and just saying that, you know, we, we think of him and we think of his sister and we're sending our prayers and we were never going to release it. So it was just one of those things. And he actually wrote back and, you know, said, please like release this song. It's, it needs to be out there for the families. And uh, he ended up using it as well for, um, what was it for that he? The Cross Canada vigil, vigil that they do and the blanket exercise for the missing and murdered Indigenous woman. So um, it, it ended up being their theme song. Yeah, it was a huge honour. And then on top of that, um, there's an Inuit uh, women's association called Taututit, um, and they're national. And they ended up sponsoring the creation of the music video uh, because they wanted to use the song Porchlight uh, for all their meetings around inquiry for in- Inuit um, missing and murdered. So... Uh, it was really, you know, the song went so far and we were just, you know, grateful because to us it was kind of like we never want to get famous off of terrible things that happen to our people and writing about it is always uh, kind of difficult for us because it's always that, um, do we do it or do we not? You know, do we do we talk about it or do we not? And I think uh, our whole journey in music has been about um, bringing things to the forefront that many Canadians don't know are happening. And so Porchlight did kind of take on a life of its own. I think it became many people's song and uh, it hit number one on the Indigenous Music Countdown. Um, it, it's just, it's been one of those things that we've been so grateful to watch grow, but also how it's had um, a healing, positive aspect in, in listeners' lives and just the overwhelming amount of messages that we get still to this day about that song and thanking us for having written it. Um, I think it's always going to have kind of a life of its own. Well, it's a very powerful, and I think it's a very important song, and I'm glad that, that you guys did make the decision to put it out. And so let's play it real quick and let everyone hear what the song that we're talking about. This is Porchlight. porch light on just in case open that door swings and I see your face and I oh naive and I keep your photograph to this day wishing and hoping that you're okay and I I'm missing you now. I never got it down on Tears 
seems just like yesterday, although it's been years and I I'm missing you now. All the same, love remains All this hurts inside me Call your name to this day Wish you were home beside me And I see your face And I Oh, naive I leave the porch light on Just in case Hoping that door swings And I see your face And I That was Porchlight off the 2015 self-titled Twin Flames release. So that song and the way that it, it kind of took on a life of its own is really interesting. And it's, it's, I've, I think there's another song that kind of did that for you guys too. And has really, you know, exploded for you guys. And when we were in LA together at the rainbow, we got to hear, hear an early version of the song human when you guys had a rough mix of it. And I remember just thinking like, that's, that's a very cool song. And it was a bit of a departure from what you guys were doing. And I was really excited about it. And I was excited about how excited you guys were about it. And then it came out and it just kind of blew up in its own. It took on a life of its own. It really kind of took you guys for a ride with it. And it's really a great tune. And it's it's been picked up. I think you, I know it had the CBC had something to do with it. And the uh, Canadian schools were, were involved with it in somewhat. So, you know, could you talk about that song? Because it, it really it really is a incredible how that song just kind of just blew up the way it did yeah sure um thank you ed yeah <laughs> we um it's one of those things where we always uh feel very grateful that people include us into into certain things and this happened to be a part of the folk alliance international of 2019 the uh the executive director of uh of uh, folk alliance international angus Finn, and he uh he um, messaged us and asked us if we'd be willing to partner with uh, UNESCO uh, to to do a song about uh, the year of Indigenous languages being that that, that year in 2019. Um, and he said he would like us to be featured as the artists in residence for that uh, folk alliance, which happened to be in Montreal this this time. Normally, it's in Kansas City. And it's a huge showcasing event uh, that happens annually. And uh, so uh, after we got off that phone, phone call, um, Chelsea and I just kind of looked at each other and, and said, um, he's expecting this uh, in three weeks, <laughs> a month maybe. 
And and so we we kind of ended up right away. Something came to mind, and I started playing a tune up uh, up in our uh, bedroom. And uh, all of a sudden, Chelsea came over, and we started uh, brainstorming on on what we could say. And the the, the common common uh, repetitive theme that kept popping up was, "We are human. We are people." Because we're constantly marginalized, unfortunately, as first people. And um, one of the things that we wanted to kind of touch upon was was all the issues that we do have, but also paying attention to the ones that people don't really talk about, which is the loss of languages. And so we we decided to um, go full force and ended up being invited to uh, to Paris, France, for the for the launch uh, of UNESCO's uh, Year of Indigenous Languages. Uh, and this is in between all of the deadlines that they gave us, and we actually had to go and uh, meet with you guys down in Los Angeles for something else that had been planned uh, the August before. Directly from Paris. Directly from <laughs> Paris, and, right. and uh, it, it 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 was it was really stressful because we had uh, quickly gone into the studio to at least do the bed tracks, and and in the process, Chelsea got really really sick on our way to Paris. And she had this bright idea of uh, deciding that she'd like to include a music video in all of this. And we had maybe one week left overall. And, and we shot a quick video shoot, photo shoot at one of the schools here that uh, is a college for Inuit. And yeah, it was not stressful at all, but uh, <laughs> that, that's how that was born. And uh, Yeah, we made the deadline and it was revealed uh, at Folk Alliance International um, in front of every attendee, it was incredible. Like it played on huge screens with like massive subwoofers, and I was just a crying mess to have seen, you know, that much pressure to have been able to deliver. And uh, that you know, song actually reached number one on Indigenous Music Countdown as well, and we actually won a NAMA for Best Video Concept as well in in, in 2019 at uh, at in in Seneca. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, being selected for that, you know, just to have it be UNESCO's official song um, to celebrate 2019's International Year of Indigenous Languages was so cool. And then CBC Music picked it up as well. Um, each year they pick 26 songs to send to the schools across the country where students compete. Um, who performs it the best gets to win music equipment for their schools. So that was really amazing, too, seeing all of those videos come in of all these kids from across the country learning to sing in Inuk to do it. It's so cool. Well, it's definitely an awesome song and it's uh, congratulations on all the success you guys have had with it. It's been cool to see the evolution of it from when I first heard it to what it's become. And, you know, I'm actually on that note, you know, we met at the 2018 NAMI Awards and you guys had a standout performance that night and just to kind of see the progression of you guys as artists since that that time two years ago has been pretty profound. I mean, you guys have done so much, and your sound is changing all the time. And I, I think that's that's awesome to be able to kind of see from afar. Um, how much does having a good, solid new band, which you guys do have a great new band, and congratulations on that as well. Um, but, you know, with them involved, does, does that change your writing process at all? Do you involve them in the creation of it, or do you guys still kind of write together and then present it to the band afterwards? 
Well, just wanted to say first, thank you to you and Mario and Matt. Um, you know, you guys have been incredible in, in accompanying us on, on our journeys. And at NAMA's, like that first year, we were so nervous. And the NAMA family that we've discovered, too, is just, it's, the people are so incredible and just so open and so kind. And, you know, in other awards platforms, that's not always the feeling that you get when you walk into a competitive atmosphere. So I just wanted to touch on that first. But as far as the songwriting goes, what usually happens is Yaya and I write the songs ourselves first. And uh, from there, we end up meeting with our guys. What we did this summer, which was really fun, uh, we had a gap in between our tours. So we were playing Edmonton Folk Fest, which is one of the biggest folk festivals in Canada. Uh, we were just so excited for that opportunity. And then we were playing the, the Canada Summer Games in Saskatchewan. So we had a four-day gap. And we told the guys, you know, rather than paying for three hotel rooms for the three gap nights, let's just rent. And I found this huge mansion on Airbnb that was cheaper than the hotel rooms. Um, in the middle of nowhere in Alberta Prairie Land. And so we rented this place. We picked up all of our gear. We rented all the gear um, from Long and McQuaid, set this whole house up um, pretty much as like a live off the floor recording studio and just cut all our demos <laughs> over four days. It was a musician's dream. It's like four days of like living in paradise and just being like creative in a space where you don't even hear a car drive by. Um, so it's pretty epic. I think all of our, our, our musicians will feel like that's a memory that we all keep so close to our hearts. And that's pretty much where Omen, that's the title of the album, where, where it really started to come to life. And from there, we met with our incredible producer, uh, Jake Jones, and uh, sent him all the demos. And then he started brainstorming some more. So it, it's just this album we've had a lot more time with. Like we started this album in August of uh, 2019. So, you know, we're almost heading to a year of this this project being in the works, but we really feel like it's going to be a product um, that we can be really proud of, and it shows our evolution and our growth as human beings and also as musicians in the trade. And our new musicians, like you said, they, they just complement so much uh, what we do and they truly believe in the message that we try to send and um, what we are trying to do. And, you know, we take them everywhere. <laughs> so they, when we first contacted our drummer, Jay, I was like, hey, let's, let's see if you, we'll give you a try and, you know, we'll maybe take you to five gigs or something a year. And it, <laughs> we hired them in March of 2019. And I think we, we toured literally almost nonstop. Like we took them to Australia. Like it was just across Canada, the Arctic, um, Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely 2019 was a journey. Um, but they, they truly like they, they rehearse even without us and just having that level of commitment where if Yayi and I are touring as a duo extensively and we only have a few days to come home and head out with the full band, well, at least they're they're ready and they're on their game and they just always want to do the best possible job they can. And that kind of dedication is awesome. They've kind of become our extended family. Well, we're all looking forward to hearing it when it comes out. It's going to be called Omen. And I'd like, again, thank you guys for coming in today, spending some time with us, especially the second time, giving us a redo on the interview. But best luck to you. I can't wait to talk to you guys again. And, you know, stay safe.
So that was Chelsea Nahi from Twin Flames. I'd like to thank them again for coming in. Their new CD will be coming out. I'm, I'm, do we call them CDs anymore? Their new their new release will be coming out. It's called Omen. Look for that. Um, we'll have some stuff up on our Facebook page. So one of the things we do want to do here at the NAMI podcast is is you know promote promote a lot of the music that of the artists that that we've had at the shows or not necessarily even have ever played at the show but have won an award or been nominated in a different category. So if there's an artist or a song you want to hear, just shoot us a message on the Facebook page. And if you actually go to the Anchor website where that hosts the podcast, Anchor FM, um, there's a there's a way that you can leave us voice messages on our podcast too. So check that out. I'll put a link on the the Facebook page to that, and that's a pretty cool thing. And if you have or if you have a question, you know, leave it on there, and we'll respond. So today, you know, what I'd like to play for you today is someone who's actually been played at many NAMI awards. And uh, that's, you know, everybody's favorite. Mr. Keith Sicoli is one of my favorites. And this song is one of his newest ones. It's called Every Day is Christmas. The song is entitled Every Day is Christmas. Every day is Christmas. Every day is New Year's, Halloween, and Valentine's Day. Hanukkah and Earth Day, Mother's Day and Father's Day, every day Indigenous Day. You and I was meant to be on the same side, upon the same ride forever. About the same age Forever
That is Every Day is Christmas by the one and only Keith Sokola. Keith has a new podcast out himself. It's called the Native Americana Audio Cafe. And uh, you can hear it on Saturdays. And I believe it is on the KBFT Facebook page. KBFT is a radio station that uh, I guess sponsors his podcast. But anyway, he'll definitely be on one of our shows. He's one of the best guys to talk to ever and one of my favorite people ever. So anyway, that's it for this month's edition of the official NAMA podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Kelly Bennett and Twin Flames for spending some time with us today. Uh, check out our Facebook page. Check out the NAMA website. Don't forget, submissions start June 1st for the award show. You can find out more information about that on the Native American Music Awards website at www.nativeamericanmusicawards.com. So until next time, stay safe, everyone.